Say what? <laughs> She's buying me an iPad. I'm, I'm not, well, give, give us the details. What, what, what sparks the need for a new iPad and what kind are you getting? Well, it's a it's one of the larger ones and I'm going to get an animation pro, pro product on it. I have a dream. I have a dream that I could animate my RPG games that vary the original series style. So I only have to learn to draw a couple frames and use them over and learn how to move mouth like this, like a yeah. Hannah Barbera's cartoon. But I dream <laughs> of doing that for my players is one day putting them in really cool animation. I think that would be neat. Mm. I know, you know, I do stuff like that. I, we do a lot of people do show openers for their, yeah. uh, for their RPG games. If you go to continuing missions or go on Facebook and ask for people to show off their show openers, you will be amazed at what the fans are doing. Isn't that so cool? Very cool. Yeah, I, I love seeing that stuff. I, in fact, I'm jealous because uh, I've seen p- folks do like really professional grade uh, openers for their shows. And I'm like, yeah, if I, only I had the time and the money to put something like that together. And uh, I just don't have the time to do it. And uh, but they, they look great. And I just I love that's where technology is now that we can do our own opening credits now. Right. With music and everything. Right. It's just it's really everything. Really cool commissioned art i mean i for mine i actually got commissioned art from people who do like actual video gaming stuff yeah. and so it, it i don't tell my players and then one day i just drop it on them and i love grown men weeping that just is one of my favorite emotions <laughs> <laughs> i love that all right but we're not here about the trauma we're not here to talk about the uh, mental trauma i put my players through this is continuing conversations uh the purpose of this podcast is to talk about all things star trek adventures rpg so this includes announcing latest releases highlighting professionals and fans associated with the game explaining game rules and mechanics exploring how to be a better gm or player and discussing the wider star trek verse in relation to sta and answering your questions about the best rpg game ever in my opinion all right i'm michael dismuke freelance writer for star trek adventures contributor to continuing mission the number one fan site for the Star Trek Adventures game and your average geek. And we're here with uh, Jim Johnson, the man I've yet to make to cry. He is writer, gamer, Star Trek Adventures project manager, popcorn lover, daddy, and cat minion. How are we doing, Jim, today? It's always good to have goals, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, get there. I'll get there one day. We'll get there. All right. yeah. Well, yeah, one doing, doing well, thanks. Okay, good. Well, one thing that makes many game masters cry is just trying to get their game off the ground. I can't tell you how many times on social media people are begging to find a game to play, right? Yeah, it's it's the same. In fact, that's got to be the single most common thing I've seen on social media for this game for four years now. And actually, it's true for any game. It's uh, it's people who want to run the game and can't find players. Or players who want to play the game and can't find a game master willing to put the time and effort into it. It's, it's, it's it seems to be a common thing, especially as people get older and we start having more demands on our time and and like that that nice life of not having to go to school or a job or the white like your, your free time just disappears as you get older. Sad to say, and uh, it's a it's a challenge, right? It's really truly a challenge, especially when you get into the niche games, right? And let's not lie, Star Trek is a niche game. It's not the 800-pound gorilla in the uh, tabletop RPG industry. And, uh, you know, it's like the more you get away from 
a particular game set and you get into into different game systems and game properties and intellectual properties uh the 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 available of interested number of players and game masters narrows and uh, and it just it becomes a challenge which is why these guys were written because we need to recruit a new generation of game masters and a new generation of players so i know that the group who worked on this book one of the things we did was we wanted to make it simple inviting and exciting to become a game master. And this is the chapter about that. So let's break it down. Um, the main four sections of this chapter are game preparation, how to recruit a crew, your first voyage, which we also call session zero. I don't know if that's what we call session zero, but maybe, and then how to run the game. So let's talk to us first, game preparation. What are the highlights in that section, Jim? Yeah, so this this section of this of this chapter was really I, I really tried hard to put myself into the mindset of a game master brand new. Like like you maybe you like Star Trek or maybe you're curious about it or maybe your your friends are like, please run Star Trek for us. And like you really have no concept of what it means to be a game master or even how to like how to how do you pull together a group to play a game, right? Like what is the very basic stuff that you need to know? And so what we try to do with this chapter is like, okay, you want to be a game master? Here's the stuff you need to be thinking about. Here's the stuff you want to do. Just like, I mean, this is like, this is like game mastering 101. Um, just really getting at the very, very basics of like of getting started. Like don't even think about a long-term campaign. Think about just getting a group together and thinking about what you as a game master want to want to do in a game, right? Like, it's, cause it's not just, it's not just your players. It's you too. You're you, you, yeah. you need to have fun just as much as they do. So uh, thinking, just thinking about the, the concept of getting it together before you really start, you know, jumping into other stuff. Yeah. And I have to remind people, go back and listen to some of the old podcasts about this because mm -hmm. we, we, talk about world building and get you excited about what it's like to live in the Star Trek universe, the variety of things you could do. Um, but this chapter, what I liked about it also, it talked about where am I going to pull ideas from? Mm -hmm. There's a box on page 99 and we've talked a lot about it. Don't marry yourself to canon. If you're starting to get buried and drowning in canon and you think you need to memorize everything, you're never going to get started. So mm -hmm. forget that. Um, and then you have options and there's on page 99, Jim, why don't you review to us the game master's guidance here about the different type of ways that you could get content? Uh, is, is that where we're talking about, um, all the different uh, resources available to new game masters? Yeah. Yeah. So this yes. is, yeah. so yeah, I mean the, the, the advantage now, I mean, now that we're five years into, um, into Star Trek adventures, um, you, as a new game master and as a new player, like you are fortunate <laughs> or, or you have a you are blessed with uh, or cursed depending on how you look at it with a wealth of material available to you to use in your campaign so you've got a whole bunch of pre-written adventures like you know modules basically available to you that you can adapt and, and use in your game you've got the starter set you've got the quick start adventures you've got the adventures in the back of the core books you've got a ton of pdf adventures that are available to you there are two um adventures compilations in print and pdf that have eight or nine adventures in them there's uh, also mission briefs so if you're a gm who likes to kind of uh like like set the stage and then let your players go wild and just kind of like make stuff up as you go the mission briefs are a great way for you to kind of like 
um, get a mission, get a story started and gives you kind of like the broad outline of the story. And we've got, I mean, 50 or 60 of those spread across different products right now with more coming. And so plus we've got the living campaign too, right? We've got the living campaign, which was um, 17 adventures that were linked in two different time frames. You got the original series and next gen, uh, and that's all free online. And then there's the Shackleton Expanse campaign guide, which is a huge 10 part epic multi part campaign, plus another 36 mission briefs <laughs> and plot hooks and stuff. Right. So, yeah. so like, like, I mean, we're recording this in November 2021. And as of right now, there's got to be probably a hundred discrete episodes of Star Trek Adventures content that you could use and adapt and, and combine into a campaign. And so, what that means is as a new game master, there is just a ton of material, pre-written material that you could grab and use right now without you having to put a whole lot of effort into it and just run something for a couple hours with your game group. And, right. Uh, I want to say since there is so much to sort through too, this is again jumping on social media, Discord, Facebook, yeah. Reddit, the Modifius.net forums. And yeah. ask, knowing what kind of game you want to play and asking other game masters and myself and Jim are again very accessible through those forums. If you yeah. tell us the kind of game you're going to play, we'll be we'll send you some modules and give you some ideas of where to start. Yeah. And what's cool about it too, I've seen it happen, is new game masters will often post a question up there, like, "Hey, I saw this description. Where did you guys take it?" And sometimes the actual writer of the module will respond. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, we're there to make sure that you launch your first game successfully. In fact, on page 101. You put a game preparation checklist in the book, Jim. How cool is that? And so uh, what are some of the things that tells us we should be checking off as we prepare a game? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you want to familiarize yourself with the rules. If nothing else, um, get just basic task resolution down. If you can do basic task resolution and teach that to your players, you're pretty much set. You can add all the other mechanics to taste from that point. So in familiar English, for people who don't know what that means, that means roll the dice and determine whether you were failed or succeeded. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> and, and if there's any complications, that'll add more drama. Right. Uh, as a game master, think about how long of a game you want to play. Do you want to do like a one, one-off, one-session evening just to get a taste for the game? Do you want to do one mission that may take several sessions to play? Or are you looking at, um, you know, planning a longer term game, whether it's a campaign or a season or multi-season or whatever? Like, think about how much are you willing to commit to in terms of, uh, of running the game? Uh, think about what kind of story um, era and play style. We talked about that in the previous episode. And then uh, think about what kind of content you want to use. Again, are you using uh, uh, pre-written modules, mission briefs? Uh, are you pulling from canon? Are you making stuff up on your own? There's a lot of different approaches you can take to it. Good, good. All right. So you're all prepared. Again, you have us. You can reach out to on social media. We're going to help help you get launched. But people need players. So that goes into section 4.2. What's your best advice um, on on people getting players, Jim? Yeah, and it's, it's a whole new world now. Like, I, honestly, I can remember in the way back, way, 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 way back, even before... Fossa had their RPG system. When I was looking for, when I was looking for players to play Star Trek with me, I uh, I had a friendly local comic shop that I would frequent. And uh, back in the day, this is I mean you know mid eighties, comic shops were also game stores, right? We didn't have dedicated game stores yet. It was a comic book shop that also happened to sell games. And uh, we had a group of people in there who played Dungeons and Dragons a lot and other games, you know Star Frontiers, Marvel Superheroes, etc. And I got the bright idea that I was looking for 
a certain type of person to play Star Trek with me. And so I actually wrote a, uh, a little advertisement. I, I printed it up on dot matrix printer paper and I said, Hey, I'm looking for a, a crew for my Star Trek game. I want you to be over 18, you know, some level of maturity, blah, blah, blah. I mean, whatever, you know, BS I threw into it at the time thinking I was, you know, hot stuff and uh, wanted, you know, something other than your average gamer. And I put that advertisement up in the comic book store figuring, what the heck? Why not? This is my audience, right? And I even had the like my phone number. And of course, back in the day, this is landlines, right? We didn't have cell phones. Uh, so I had my little phone number print and I cut it out so that it was like the tear off tabs, you know, where yeah. you, you see something is like, oh, tear it off and then go and then go call. Mm -hmm. And I got um, I got three phone calls <laughs> from that advertisement. And um, one of them ended up becoming my lifelong friend. We've known each other for 30 odd years now. And he's been my co-GM for Star Trek from from day one. We hit it off right away, and I met a couple other players through it too. But so like that that was the old school way to do it is to is just like how do you find people? And of course now the equivalent is go onto Discord, go onto Facebook, go onto Reddit, and say, hey, I want to run the game, or hey, I want to play the game. Who's running it? Who's playing it? And just try to marshal forces that way. Um, I was I I started proselytizing, and I started finding my friends who were willing to play the game and making. Yeah lifelong friend decisions based off who was willing to play and not willing to play. <laughs> now, now the, the benefit of that, the benefit of that is that I had the most eclectic group of players. If you saw them in a picture, I think I have like a pretty good diverse age range, yeah. uh, ethnicity, all that. The bad point of it is I didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> mm. So I was yeah. a loner most of the time. But, yeah. but back to what you said, the chapter does highlight some of these ideas. Um, mm -hmm. And we're—I'd like to say Star Trek Avengers is a very welcoming community. community. Um, and if you put yourself out there, you will find people eventually to play with. You have to be a little flexible in this day and age with technology and geography, though. And, and, and geography and time zones and uh, uh, people with uh, life commitments and school. I mean, there's just so many challenges now. It's even—it's just hard to imagine um, how you get a group together to even play one session, let alone, you know, a, a long-term campaign. But uh, sure. uh, yeah, so we, we do provide some advice about that. Yeah. And we'll have some future podcasts about that too, to give you some best, best tips. <clears throat> All right, cool. And there's some uh, options which you kind of discussed before about role play styles. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like truncated styles of play, which we talked about. I want to jump ahead and talk about the ethics that this chapter focuses on. And on page 106, it talks about meeting everyone's needs. What was your thought behind this chapter, Jim? Yeah, uh, so with the advent of on, especially online gaming, uh, we were in a whole, no, uh, those of us who've gamed for a long time and didn't have the internet back when we were gaming originally, uh, there's a whole new world now, right? Where we have, we, we can touch people all around the world from all kinds of different ethnic and political and religious and um, social and uh, 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 economic you know, uh, statures, whatever. There's just so many people out there playing games now that um, uh, for all kinds of different, um, uh, gosh, it's, it's every spectrum you can think of. It's, it's, it's and, and I'm trying to be very careful that I don't offend anybody, although I'm sure I'll offend somebody, but like there's so many, let me take it. <laughs> um, there's so many neurodivergent things that people are are, are dealing with, and um, 
there's the the whole you know it, it, all of us on the lgbtq spectrum there's I mean, there's just so many things to keep in mind that people are unique and different and we want to embrace everybody and make sure everybody has a good time at the game table that as a game master you need to be aware and you need to be willing to talk frankly and honestly and uh uh you know kindly with people about what kind of things you know how can you be accommodating to every possible need so that everyone feels comfortable at the game table uh, me, with you. Yeah, let me tell a story to make it yeah, jump in. Make it a little more palatable and understandable what what I I feel you're saying. Tell me if I'm right. So back in the day in the 70s and 80s when you had your RPG crew come together, you were basically from the same town. You know, you knew each other. There was the town culture. There was acceptable yeah. forms of behavior. There were things people talked about, didn't talk about. So when you grabbed your gaming group and went to your basement or around the table. You kind of knew these people from from the town. Now, the gaming world is literally the gaming world. And so what we may think and comes out of our mouth as normal conversation has different meanings. And that's just called cultural maturity is what we're talking about here. And so this chapter, I really liked it because it talked about sensory differences, understanding that people have different attention spans because of some of the lifestyles in life situations they may have, or even education level. I never use the term highly educated. I always use the term differently educated because believe me, if a nuclear bomb drops and the Wall Street and college educated people are looking for food, highly educated is the farmer. So I always say it's differently educated. Yeah, no yeah. such thing as higher education. Sure. Um, and so it's taking into taking that into account when everybody's coming together. And I thought this chapter set a good foundation for that. Did I did I my story tell it okay for you <laughs> it's a good start i mean there, there is so much more to it right and yeah. i mean we could we could we could probably write an entire book on um on reasonable accommodations for literally everybody right i mean there, there's just so much and uh okay. and not to not to dismiss it by any means but the, like there's just a lot to be aware of uh, but yeah your story did touch on a, a good chunk of it yeah the world's changing in a good way more yeah. you know more people so so um, there's two inset boxes that I encourage GMs to, to um, look at. Anyone who's gamed for decades knows there's always difficult players and there's always going to be cheaters, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so there's boxes about how to deal with that, how to sort through that. Um, so good. And it, I know there's some other chapters we're going to get into how to be a great player. Also, the players book talks about how to maximize one's gaming experience. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Let's move on to your first voyage, also known as Session Zero. What are your highlights from this chapter, Jim? Yeah, so those who, those who aren't familiar with a Session Zero concept, um, I think it's really, uh, it's basically you've, uh, you're the game master, you kind of like have an idea of what you want to run. You've you've assembled your crew. You got your you got your group of players together, whether they're brand new to you or they're your your cadre of friends or whatever, um, or it's your family or whatever. I mean, however you're choosing to pull your this group of people together, uh, what you want to do, especially because of because this is Star Trek and because Star Trek is such a large franchise with 55 years of history and tons of canon and beta canon and all this stuff, what you want to do is you want to ideally you don't have to but ideally you would run a session what is called a session zero where you get everybody to the table and you just talk you like what do you like about star trek what star trek mean to you get get everybody on the same wavelength and on the same baseline so that everybody is excited about the game that you want to do together because really ultimately star trek adventures is a collaborative storytelling game 
and you want everybody to be on board with the story stories that you want to tell, right? Like it's like if some of your players want to tell gritty wartime stories in the vein of DS9, and some of you want to do like much more utopian, positive, next gen kind of you know stories, you need to come to a meeting of the minds and you need to come to some sort of uh, agreement about how you want to approach it. And so a session zero is just a way to to get at to get at that. Yeah, I love that. There's a there's a box on 108 about player expectations um, and more boxes about coming to a consensus. And then there's a section which I really liked about safety and consent. And it's just Mm -hmm. about that. If you are going to have a diverse bunch of players, um, you do want to ask permission. Just to give an example, you know, we had a, a story in my game. Uh, that that I was preparing for where I was going to um, be talking about the Mars attack that happens in Picard. And I was going to ask the players to explore the trauma from when they heard about that. But before we went into it, I was like, wait a second, is this a subject that's okay for everybody? We have a lot of people from different backgrounds. And so we made sure safety and consent was in place. And then we moved forward and then had a really good time, um, you know, exploring that. So that's basically an example of what that, that looks like good all right and and there's some other stuff you know in here about how how to read the room it's basically building up your emotional intelligence um there was a box that was in earlier in the section about gaming at conventions talk to us about that and how that runs with reading the room or handling discomfort yeah so i mean i I, and, and I think um, I think Al uh, Spader wrote that section because um, he has some experience running stuff at conventions. Um, I do not. Uh, but the basic gist is um, when you run a game at a convention, you really have no idea who's going to show up at your table. Right. In general, you uh, you say, hey, I'm going to run this game. People sign up for it. You get five to seven new people at your table. You have no idea who they are. And you need to be able to kind of like evaluate. Is is anyone going to potentially be a troublemaker or is uh, are they here to 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 sow, you know, chaos or are they here to actually want to have a good time and play the game? And just as a game master, you got to got to have that that sixth sense of like, is everyone going to get along for the next three hours? And yeah. and you also needed to be listening and being watching to, like, pick up those cues, those nonverbal cues of like, is someone uncomfortable? Is something happening and someone's feeling uncomfortable and you know can, can you stop and uh and, and redirect or, or or resolve the issue uh so it's just uh we we try to put some thoughts in here about how to handle that of course we could have gone for pages on the, on that topic right <laughs> well we is, had, and i'm glad we didn't because this book yeah. is for new game masters who most likely yep. a new game master is not going to be running this at a convention but right. again we wanted to put stuff in here that everyone could use including seasoned game masters so i thought that was a sure. really good box that's included in there we, we've, we've already talked about finding consensus of tone and era. Um, there's a whole bit in here about creating characters, of course, some, some mm-hmm. options about how to create some backstory for your character and also the mm-hmm. starship. So, so we've talked a lot about that. And there on 118, there's a session zero checklist, which I think is cool. So you want to run us through that real quick, Jim, um, that checklist, which, of course, this, this chapter goes in depth about it. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, just real quick, the, the the checklist. I mean, this is just to help a new game master just kind of like think through everything that they need to be responsible for. And uh, you know, guess what, game masters, you are a project manager. So whether you whether you like it or not, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to do. It's not bad. It's it's fun work. It's fun, rewarding work, but it's work uh, to yeah. some to some degree. Uh, you need to think about scheduling. You need to think about establishing the best methods of communication. Are you meeting face to face at a game table, or are you on Discord or Roll Twenty or any of the many other virtual tabletops out there you need to think about time zones you need to think, think about what's the best way to communicate with your group when you're not playing is it email is it discord is it instant messaging something else um you need to uh you know introduce players to each other have your expectations set you need to talk about safety rules and consent uh the campaign tone and era you choose your faction uh character concepts um, one thing we didn't really touch on that I think we should is like, like take advantage of session zero and especially with Star Trek adventures, have everybody go through the life path together, create your characters as a group and start building that crew, whether you're an actual Starfleet crew or a Klingon crew, or you're a group of misfits who get thrown together in the pilot episode, take the advantage to, to walk through your character creation together because you can start creating connections with other characters and like maybe maybe two characters went to the academy at the same time you can start building in that backstory that you can use as a uh, as dramatic uh you know storytelling potential in your games and, and give yourself a, a, a grounding right from the beginning you know yeah i like uh, the way you say that because i i feel that session zero is a writer's room where everyone's getting together yeah. to get get the characters in place before saying action and start writing yeah. the stories yeah good yeah uh, so you do that. Um, of course, the one of the most important characters of any Star Trek show is the is the ship, right? So this is an opportunity. And, and like I think traditionally, maybe the game master would say, "Oh, I want to run a game on a Constitution class ship like the Enterprise." This is an opportunity to give your players some agency and say, "You know, we want to run a, a small, intimate game on a patrol ship on the neutral zone." Well, okay, so maybe that means you're on a on an intrepid class ship or a defiant class ship, or you, you change the scale of the storytelling that you want to do. But if you put, if you give your players some agency and some, and some input into that, then you get stronger buy-in and then everybody's excited and everybody's engaged in the, in the, um, in the game. Yeah. Uh, so pick your, pick your ship, pick your mission profile, give the ship a name again, give the players an opportunity to, to, to play a role in that because, like the name of a ship is key. It's, it's really important to the to your campaign. It could even be the name of your campaign, right? Like, uh, like literally, I'm, I'm wearing the hat from my uh, longest running Star Trek game, the the Athena Chronicles, and uh, we named the ship USS Athena, and we named the series right after it because it was it was like that, it was all about the Athena. Uh, so, uh, and then and then choose your ship talents, and you're off and running. So th this is really this section of the chapter is really all about you got your players together. Now build the crew, build your ship. And now you're ready to jump into the next uh, the next step. Yeah, a good session zero gets everyone pumped for the first game, which is what yeah. I like about it. They're, they're, it's sad that you could spend six hours on a session zero and you haven't even started playing yet. And people <laughs> are like, oh, it's time to go home. It's like, okay, we'll come back next Saturday. We got you. you know? Yeah, we're ready. Yeah, and then you're ready to finally, the last section of chapter four is run the game, effective game mastering. Um, I know I... I wrote this section. So you want to ask a question to me about it? Yeah. So, so with your, with your vast expertise as a game master, I think if, if I remember right, you, you talked about being a, uh, being cursed as a lifelong GM and never getting to play. Like I, I feel you brother. <laughs> uh, so, so tell me what, 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 what did you channel into writing this section about being an effective game master? 
Sure. So it was all about best practices as a storyteller. And it's toward the end of this section, but one of the biggest things that I did that I've seen is most successful as a game master is make sure they all know that they're not playing your game. They are co-writing a story with you. So what would be the coolest, most dramatic thing to happen right now? If you as a new game master get that in, it's almost like, have you ever played that game where you sit around the fire and everyone gets a minute to tell a story and everyone keeps connecting the story and you have laughs and some good times and sometimes it turns scary and sometimes it's exciting, but you remember the story later on. That's what to me RPG is about is creating a story that way. Um, and teach and really what you're doing is instructing the players or showing them how to get more information from this world you've created. So the, I always tell my players, ask why. So if something happens and you don't like it or there's a spatial effect that you don't understand, ask why. What's behind it? That's what the whole game is about. It's about being powerful, open-ended question askers. Um, and then from there, that's where everybody, again, creates the story. Um, we've talked about it before, Jim. Some of the best stories we've ever had, we never even rolled dice. Meaning yeah. we didn't need to worry about game mechanics. But we had some of the those are usually the best stories we have where the drama is set in. And that's why I say it's more like improv and karaoke. I'm doing this. And and then the third point when I wrote this was just relax. Just mm. just you're not being paid yet by CBS or Viacom <laughs> to, to do this. You're yeah. what you are doing is you're honing your skills. So it should be fun and you should experiment. Just do it, you know. Um, and so that was another thing. I just want people to get loosed and relaxed and have fun with your friends yeah. and just, um, you know, make memories. That's what the point of this chapter was. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then you uh, and then uh, I, I don't remember if you wrote this, but uh, we, we, we wrap up the chapter by talking about, uh, of course, now that we're in this new world of uh, technology. And not to mention the fact that we're all in still embroiled in the middle of a COVID pandemic. Uh, and, and we've seen an explosion of this game online, whether it's Twitch or uh, other channels, but also virtual tabletop. So how do you how do you run this thing on a virtual tabletop slash discord slash chat room slash whatever? Like, what are some thoughts around that? Yeah, I wrote it because back in 2000, so this is 20 years ago, mm-hmm. my gaming group moved from all being around San Francisco, California, Pacifica, California, to be exact, little beach town. They went to Idaho and San Diego and Germany. They went all around the world and they still wanted to play. So we started on email, play by email. right? Um, but as time went on and we got better apps, um, the group we just basically converted to playing by text. And here's my mentality for all of you out there who are wondering, well, I don't know if I want to run a game electronically. I prefer around the table. A good marketer knows that you don't force people to use the medium you want them to use. You find out what people are looking at Mm -hmm. and that's where you put your message out. And so I sat down as technology was moving and people were going all over the planet. I said, What technology does everyone have access to and they use a lot? And as I looked, asking that question, standing at the Starbucks, everyone was looking down at their cell phone and texting. (laughs) And I said, until I get this into a text format, I'm not going to get players jumping in. And and I'm not going to vouch for myself. Ask the question on a social media site, how I run a Discord game. And my players will tell you, it's just immersive 
I, I, I don't want to say constant because we have jobs and lives, but mm-hmm. you know, you get a text, you just reply and the game goes on. So this chapter was key to my heart. I write a lot about it on continuing missions, of course, yeah. too. But if you ever need advice about how to go virtual, reach out to uh, the social media and you have a lot of people who are doing it. Yeah. And that was that. So again, picking your medium is going to be important to boldly go where no gamer has gone before. And so uh, thank you, Jim. We talked about game preparation, how to recruit a crew, your first voyage or also known as session zero. Mm -hmm. And of course, choosing the medium that you want to use to uh, run the game. That was a lot. Uh, Let's close it out, Jim. If they have questions for you, uh, if they want to get their hands on uh, this guide or other uh, Modifius products, what do they do? Yeah, so if you are interested in any of these Star Trek Adventures products, your first place should probably be to go to uh, Modifius.net or Modifius.us if you're in the North American area and you want to save on shipping a little bit. Uh, that'll have uh, a list of all the products that are available for the game. Uh, you can also go on, if you want PDFs, you can go on uh, onto Drive-Thru RPG. That All the stuff is there, too. Um, and uh, Or you can go to your friendly local game store and uh, order from there. Uh, of course, Medifius will get you the uh, brick-and-mortar program. They'll send you the PDFs for free if you're buying the physical editions. Uh, so, you know, definitely take advantage of that because it's always nice to have the PDF as a reference tool. Uh, plus, you can search it, all that great stuff. Uh, you can reach out to me anytime, uh, Jim at Medifius.com. I am on all the social media channels for the game pretty regularly. So whether it's Discord, subreddit, uh, the official forums, continuing mission, Facebook, etc. I'm not hard to find. Uh, I'm on Twitter too, at scribe underscore and Eddie. Uh, so uh, just reach out with any questions. We'll answer the questions online if we can, or I mean on this, uh, on this show if we can. And uh, look forward to talking to you. And uh, Michael, where can we find you? Awesome. Well, again, Continuing Missions is uh, I, I co-contributor there on that blog, the number one blog for Star Trek Adventures, and I'm on many of the same places you mentioned. I'm known as Game Master on Discord and Reddit, uh, Michael Dismuke on every other social media that talks about Star Trek Adventures RPG. And of course, one thing we love to do, we promise we want to shout out game shops, brick and mortar that, that people are going to to play these RPGs. Today, we're shouting out Just for Fun in Peoria, Illinois. This is the store that a uh, player goes to in his parents' hometown. Uh, and so we love you, brick and mortar. Uh, keep playing every kind of RPG, but make sure people are playing Star Trek Adventures RPG too. Right, Jim? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And okay. uh Next time, we'll be talking about uh, storytelling, which I'm really excited about. So until then, uh, live long and prosper. That's right. (laughs) I-D-I-C. Peace out.